0: Well, thank you, fellas. A lot of truth in that song, it really is. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Romans, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. We share in a familiar passage, we'll kind of pick up uh, with some words that I wanted to define that we've been talking about on Sunday night. We dealt with the word last week, uh, foreknowledge, talked about. God's foreknowledge, how God foreknows, and so today we want to look at a word we hear from time to time called predestination, predestination, and we want to see how the Bible addresses that word, predestination. The theme for our study has been the security of our salvation, the assurance of our salvation, but today, uh, with that theme, I want us to look at God's predestination. Understanding God's predestination. God's predestination. Now you have a lot of thought about predestination from various people, but what does God's word say about it? So we want to look at um, understanding God's predestination. First of all, the word predestination is in the Bible. Uh, it's a Bible doctrine. Uh, Warren Weersby, great theologian. First commentary I ever purchased when I first started preaching. Someone told me you ought to get Weersby's Old Testament and New Testament notes. I'll encourage you to do the same thing. Great preacher. You may have ordered some of his B series, B this, B that series. Get them at uh, LifeWay Christian Resource there in Florence. Great books on uh, a great small book commentary on the books of the New Testament. And so, uh, but but Weersby said this. He said predestination applies only to the saved. And I'm gonna have to go real fast because of time. Because we want people to be watching this later tomorrow night to be able to see everything. I'm going to talk real fast, and you'll have to listen real fast, you'll have to write real fast. But Weersby said this, predestination applies only to, to save people. Nowhere are we taught that God predestines people to eternal damnation. If they are condemned, he goes on, it is because of their refusal to trust Jesus Christ. Let that sink in. Show me one place in the Bible. This is a challenge. Show me one place in the Bible where God has predestined someone who wasn't someone already saved. The Bible says that God foreknew. God knew that I would be saved. God knew that you would be saved. And God predestines the saved. John MacArthur said this, I quote, Unbelievers are condemned by their own unbelief and not by God's predestination. End of quote. You see, some people believe that God has predestined some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell. But most people that believe that Hardly ever tell another person how to get saved with passion. They're not evangelistic at all. Now, I thank God for our Presbyterian friends. I have some Presbyterian friends. I have some friends that go to the Presbyterian church. I thank God for the Presbyterian, the PCA, the Presbyterian Church of America. And that they had a movement I thank God that you had a person by the name of D.J. Kennedy. You probably have listened to him on TV. Dr. James Kennedy down in Florida who developed EE, which is Evangelism, evangelism Explosion. Dr. Kennedy set the mode in Evangelism Explosion for the Sunday School Board at that time, referred now to as LifeWay Christian Resource. But Dr. James Kennedy set the mode for Southern Baptist, as we kindly copied his one-on-one evangelistic program, and we call our EE, we call that faith. However, the mainline Presbyterian church is in decline today in America because no longer do they share with passion the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let me say this, and so will any other denomination that begins to play God and who can be saved and who can't be saved. I feel the same way as Johnny Hunt. Hunt said in a sermon, he said, I'm going to preach the gospel and invite everybody I know to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I feel that's what we're supposed to do. I believe that everybody can get saved. Our daughter, Corey was saved when she was five years old. Billy Graham was saved when he was six years old. I was saved when I was 11 years old. Many of you got saved as teenagers. Some in your 20s. Some in your 30s. But let me say this, as you get to 30s, as you get to 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, it's less likely that you're going to give your heart to Christ because your heart becomes so hardened at that late of age. So it's good when someone comes to know Christ at an early year. Now children, a preacher's child, they're exposed to the gospel a lot. I mean, they go to revivals. Corey went to revivals with me. Our family went together. They were church at all, you know, all the time. Every time the door is open, the old expression goes, and a, and a preacher's child is exposed quite more, quite frequently than, than someone else. But she was saved at five years old. Some of you were saved at different ages. Dr. Jean Balden preached in this pulpit many times. His father was saved when he was over 90 years old. You say, well, how do, how do you know that, Brother Sammy? Because I was there at the hospital when he asked Christ to come into his life and save him. In Romans 10, verse 16, says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I know he was saved. I heard him call on the name of the Lord. And ask the Lord to save him. Friend, I thank God that I never had to bend down real low to a small child of an age of accountability or lean over a hospital bed when they ask how to be saved and say, Are you elected? Have you been elected? Have you heard the outward call? Have you heard the inward call? Have you heard the serious call? Have you heard the effectual call? So from the age of accountability to the age of dependability, when, when you're up in 80s and 90s and, God willing, 100 years old, I believe whosoever wills are elected. Predestination. Nothing, nothing, nothing is said in the Bible that leads me to believe that God predicts Anyone, to heaven or to hell. Predestination deals with a major theme in the Bible. Let's look at it real quick. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Read this last week. The Bible says, For whom he did foreknow God. Whom God did foreknow. There's your the word foreknow. You can underline it. That's an important word we talked about. He also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Predestination. Now, if you'll notice in verse 29, predestination, it has to do with being conformed to the image of Christ. Notice verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, underline this, to be conformed to the image of his Son. So when we talk about predestination, it has to do with being conformed to the image of His Son. It's not looking back to our salvation, but it's looking forward to our glorification. God is saying, once you're saved, that's settled. I'm not going back there. We've already dealt with your salvation. But God's looking down the road, not where, we're, not where we came from, but where we're going to. God's not looking back. Because our sins have been forgiven. They've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. They're gone. He's not looking back. He's looking to the future. He's looking to the future. God forbid for someone to take us back and try to persuade us that God has predestined some to be saved and some to be lost. So when God saw you getting saved, remember He's foreknow- foreknowledge, foreknowing, when God saw you getting saved, God said, uh, that one's going to be like Jesus. When God saw Terry Wilburn getting saved, he said, he's going to be like Jesus. When God saw Michael Peppers getting saved, he said, he's going to be like Jesus. David Evitt, when da- God saw David Evitt getting saved in the future, he's going to be like Jesus. For a knowledge predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We saw Doug Behrman. He says, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be like Jesus. No, he didn't say that. Doug knows I'm kidding. He's growing faster and quicker than a lot of people, a lot of long-term Christians. But he says, it's going to be like Jesus. And that's how you have security in your life. Getting back to security and salvation. God's conforming you into the image of His Son. He has predestined you to be conformed to the image of His Son. So the goal for God's predestination, His purpose is that we be made like Jesus Christ. Look, if you will, 1 John. Jot this first down. Uh, 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Notice the first part of that verse. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. We're not like we're going to be, but we know one thing, when He appears, we're going to be like He is. So I'm a gospel preacher who believes that God wants everybody to be saved. I believe all means all. He's going to save everybody that will, be, that will, that will allow the Holy Spirit to convict them. He's going to save everybody by the spoken word. I'm going to preach the gospel, and when He speaks to them... He calls them, they have an opportunity to respond to His invitation. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our Savior. Verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Turn, if you will, to 2 Peter Chapter 3, look at verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. John MacArthur said this, he said, Every believer is indebted to God's grace. For his eternal salvation. We're going to talk about God's grace tonight. For every believer is himself solely responsible for his eternal destination. Let me read that again by MacArthur. Every believer is indebted to God's grace for his eternal salvation. If it wasn't for God's grace, you wouldn't have it. Every believer is himself solely responsible for. For His eternal damnation. Here's the point. If you're in this service this morning. You're sitting here this morning. And you go to hell. It won't be because Christ didn't make perfect provisions for you to go to heaven. It won't be His fault. And it won't be my fault. Or anyone else that shared the gospel with you. It won't be because you were not of the elect. And it won't be because God didn't want you to be saved. However, it'll be because that you rejected the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ in your life. God wants you to be saved. And so the word predestined is a Greek word that translates to mark out, to a point. To determine beforehand, to mark out to a point, to determine beforehand. Now let me break it down. God in eternity past, before the foundations of the world, God saw me getting saved at 11 years old at Rockwood Baptist Church. And God marked down a plan for me. He marked down a purpose for me. And the problem, what's going on in our churches today, is that some are hiding behind this thing called election, and they're fussing over whether someone's elect or non-elect. And the real issue is, is God's predetermined, predestinated purpose for your life. That's the issue. That's why the church is full of disobedience and and people failing to be committed to the Lord today. Because God's predestinated purpose, marked out, plan for their life, it's just shot past them. They they don't they never think of it. Friend, that's why the church is powerless today. That's why there's so few people uh, you know, buying into what. What is God's predetermined, predestined purpose for my life? The Bible has several times says God has a purpose for your life. A great evangelist by the name of Bill Bright, great man, wrote a little book years ago called God's Four Spiritual Laws, 50 years ago. Bill Bright said this. He said, and I quote, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And that's the message for the church today. So God didn't just save you to take you to heaven. A lot of people believe that. Well, God just saved me, you know, and I'm going to heaven when I die. He didn't save you just to take you to heaven. I mean, He would have took you to heaven if He'd saved you just to take you to heaven. But in the predetermined counsel of God, God said, I have a plan for Sammy and He pulled me out of a business field, and He put me in the pulpit. And that is the purpose for my life. Now, in regards to your spiritual growth, what is God's predetermined purpose for your life? You see, the reason that preachers are, are, are making an appeal for obedience and commitment today in churches Please be committed, y'all. Please be committed. You know, please obey. It's because only twenty percent is what's listed. Only twenty percent are committed in church. Think of that. Eighty percent are not moving on with God's purpose for their life. Are you a part of the twenty or part of the eighty? God's predetermined, predestinated a godly purpose for your life. Where are you at in that right now? In obedience and commitment? Are you part of the 80? You gonna give a flip? Are you part of the 20? You see, God wants all men to be saved. He wants all men to be saved. Matthew 23, verse 37. Let's look at that just for a moment. Time I have remained. Matthew twenty three verse thirty seven. Listen, O Jerusalem, Jesus is speaking, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not. God said, I'd love to gather you like a chicken gathers her children, her chickens, under her wings. It's not that I couldn't, but what? You wouldn't. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Stephen's fixing to get stoned. This is what he says. You stiff necked, you uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers once did. Some people talk about an irresistible grace. Not according to the Bible. Jesus told Jerusalem, I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. Not that I wouldn't, but you. Not that I couldn't, but you wouldn't. You resisted me. Stephen says you're just a bunch of stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Ghost. Johnny Hunt quoted this. One preacher said, If God predestined me to go to hell, I'd want to go to hell. Anything that God wants me to do something that would be good. It'd be happy. I'd be happy in hell than in heaven if God made me go to hell. I can't imagine the God that I know, the God that I've studied about through the scriptures, the attributes of the God that the Holy Word teaches me that characterizes God. I cannot, for the sake of me, Understand how God, that I know, would have a purpose of sending anyone to hell. You see, God didn't predestine anyone to go to hell. No one. No one. I don't know what you're taught. I don't know what you're told. But I'll challenge you. To tell them to show you in the Word of God where God predestined anyone to go to hell. But when you got saved, God did predestine a, a purpose for you to be like Jesus Christ. So the question is, where does eternity, or where does the eternity security fit into this? Look, if you will, in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Where does eternity fit in this? Let's, let's look at this. Romans chapter 8, back at verse, uh, I believe, verse 30. Let's look at verse 30. Okay. Verse 29 said, He conformed us to be in His image. He said in verse 30, Moreover, whom he He did predestinate. Then he also called and whom he called. And we're going to talk about call. We may talk about that next week. Then he also justified and whom he justified. Then he glorified. So God predestined you to be conformed to the image of his dear son. And when he predestined, he called. It's important. Underline predestined. Underline call. So how did he call? He called people to salvation by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how you're called. That's why, I'm not, that's why I don't preach election, because God called me to preach the gospel. That's how you're called. No one gets saved by the preacher saying that you're elect or you're non-elect. They get saved by the preaching of the gospel. In verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called. In whom he called them, he also justified. Whom he has called, he has justified. God declared them righteous. He justified them. He declared them right with God. Those that he called through the gospel, he declared them right with God. A better word for that is he declared them saved. Verse 30 says, who God justified, he also glorified. And let me just say this. This is all in past tense. Past tense. That's important. Here's the point. Before the foundation of the world was laid, God saw me. I'm using him as an illustration. He saw me out there thousands of years away getting saved. And God said, since I saved him, I'm predestined him to be a preacher. No. He didn't say that. What he predestined me to be. Conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what He predestined me to be. So the predestination God gives is the same to every believer. He predestines every one of you that are believers to be like His Son, Jesus. He wants all of us to be like Jesus, whether you're a salesman or a, or a mechanic or a teacher or an attorney or just a retired senior adult or a housewife. The predestination purpose of God is for every Christian to be like Jesus. If you don't get anything else today, you get that. For no you saw you getting saved, predestined you, called you by the gospel, justified you. That's why I know that I can never be lost. You know why? Because He glorified me. Past tense, you see that? Notice what he said in verse 30. He did predestinate, he called, and whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he also, past tense, glorified. He, he foreknew for me, he saw me getting saved, he saw me being conformed in the image of Christ, he saw me being uh, being called by a preacher of the gospel, preaching the gospel. God saw that actual acceptance when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and then He declared me righteous, and God can already see me in heaven. He glorified me. Really? God can see you in heaven? Well, if you don't have any trouble with foreknowledge, and He can save me here, why can't He see me in heaven? Duh. He can see everything. He can see me in heaven. He can see the past. He can see the present. He can see the future. He can see me in heaven. Adrian Rogers probably gave a great illustration on this. He said one time a little boy went to see a parade and he got there and there was a wall, a boarded wall, and he found him a knot hole. And he looked in the knot hole. And he said, there's a float. He waited a little while and he said, There's another float. And a guy walked by, and he said, Son, come with me. And so the man took the little boy up into a a ten-story building. He looked out across that parade field. And he said, Well, there's the start. There's the finish. He could see the start, and he could see the finish. He saw it all at one time when he got high enough Bible says God's ways are higher than your ways or my ways. When he gets high enough, he's high enough. He, he sees it all. God's on his throne. He saw you getting saved. He saw you being called by the gospel. He saw you being declared righteous. He saw you being justified, and he saw you being glorified. And God used past tense verbs to refer to you as already being glorified, i.e. in heaven. Security of the believer. The assurance of the saints. I'm as secure in heaven now as if I was already standing in heaven. I've been glorified. That's eternal security. you know how I know some people resist the Holy Spirit? Because the sun's fixing to it in just a minute when we have an invitation. We're going to have an invitation. It's not my invitation. I just extend it. It's God's invitation. And God is extending an invitation to some of you today to be saved. He wants everybody to be saved you know how you become an elect of God? You get saved. And then you're predestinated to be conformed to the image of God. And then you're justified. And then you're glorified. Today, God's dealing with some of you to be saved. God's dealing with some of you, perhaps, some other decisions. But the gospel invitation, people really resist. It's resistible grace. There will be an opportunity for you to accept him. But I believe that God would have all men to be saved. And on the cross, he made a provision for all men, every boy, girl, youth, adult, whomever, to be saved. Father, thank you for a time that we've had to come into your presence today and, and talk about this doctrine that we hear so much about thank you for sharing with us through your word and now as your holy spirit speaks to hearts i pray that people would respond for those who are here who've never trusted you i pray they won't resist today but they would submit to the holy spirit and your lordship over their life and ask you to forgive them and to come into their life and save them. And today experience a new birth. And have their sins forgiven. To look to the future and not to the past. Knowing that if they die today they'd have a home in heaven. But God if they go to hell it won't be because of my fault. Because I've shared the gospel. And it won't be because of your fault. Because you've made the provision, the necessary provision through your son, Jesus. But it'll be their fault. And so today I pray they'll come. And other decisions that need to be made today, I pray that people would come. Thank you for our time, in Jesus' name. Amen. A stand-